The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 226. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a time lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Braveheart, Chief. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding! Position us. Wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Allons-y! I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Ta-da! She'll be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the 11th Doctor story, The Girl Who Waited. And joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. Folks, remember to like The Secrets of Doctor Who on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash secrets of Doctor Who. You have to put the of in there. And also, be sure to retweet us on Twitter, where we're at SQPN, and leave us comments in both places. We love to hear from you. So, yes, we are talking about this episode, The Girl Who Waited. This is the 11th Doctor. It's season six of the new Who uh, series. Season series. I always get that mixed up. Mm. And it's the 10th episode of that season. Let me do a quick recap of this. I think, I think I'm getting the recaps down here. So let me see if I can do the, the good recap like, like Jimmy does. So the Doctor's taking Amy and Rory to the resort planet of Apalapachia. They come up with these weird names. But when they land, they're in a white room with a door and, a but- and two buttons. Amy goes back into the TARDIS for her phone while Rory and the Doctor go through the door. So, but when Amy comes out, she presses the other button than the one they pressed and ends up in another identical room, but it's different. And they discover that room's in a different time stream, moving at a different speed relative to them. Uh, they, have a, they discover this when a week goes by with Amy waiting for them in this room, which is kind of surprising that <laughs> she waits a week. Uh, then these hand bots appear, which are robots with human-like hands, I guess, and yep. no faces, right, which are trying to knock them out and give them a, a sh- some kind of shot, which they call a kindness. And it turns out the planet has this plague of a disease that affects only species with two hearts. So that means the Doctor is in danger, but Amy and Rory aren't from the disease. The Doctor and Rory try to lock onto Amy's time stream, and that Rory has to be sent alone into Amy's time stream, but with a point-of-view camera in, his, in these uh, glasses that the Doctor gives him, so that the Doctor can see and communicate. And they discover that 36 years have passed while Amy was waiting, and she's become old, bitter, and now hates the Doctor with a passion because he left her. And uh, they have come up with a solution that would erase her 36 years alone to save young Amy from that fate. Old Amy, uh, sorry, Amy, objects to being erased. Then she decides, I want to be brought along to coexist alongside with young Amy. And then she is eventually left behind by the Doctor to face oblivion because he says the, the time paradox would destroy the TARDIS or the universe or something. How's that? 
Pretty good. Did I miss it? Yep. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> all right. I just, what I want to know is why all of a sudden on both Doctor Who and Secrets of Star Trek are we encountering all of these planets that have COVID? I mean, <laughs> I this, this, this can't just be the Bader-Meinhof effect. It seems like they're just an incredible number of episodes in a in a run where we've been encountering planets infected by plagues. I know. Well, it, it, uh, well, it's it's a it's a convenient plot device, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, but it but seems it, like statistically we're hitting it a lot right now it, in a way that we yeah, didn't in the past. That, that's yeah. true. I mean, we did have a couple of episodes kind of back when uh, COVID first started that we had this, but it was kind of spit hit or miss. But now we had like three or four episodes just in a row that are like all of them talking about this kind of plot line. It's like, OK, <laughs> <laughs> there's a message, uh, you know, speaking of uh, re reusing plot lines. This is yet another episode in this season of Doctor Who with doppelgangers and duplicates. Mm -hmm. Have you guessed? I just was thinking about that before we started, how this season, and now do you think that was intentional that they decided we need to, you know, because this season is about ultimately the big story arc, a duplicate of the Doctor being the solution to things? Is this no. a message? No, no. The uh, what this is is a companion piece to the very first Matt Smith episode, where you had Matt Smith show up to, I don't know, twelve-year-old Amy Pond, mm -hmm. and she waited for him to come for her, and he didn't, and then she was an adult, and this is the same thing on a new scale, and having you know she'd kind of coped with losing the doctor the first time at with we're told years of therapy and trying to tell her the doctor was just an imaginary friend but now she's had the chance to travel with him and so at the end of this one after after the end of the 36 year long wait in this one she is angry and it's really mm -hmm. nice seeing how angry she is yeah. and really giving the doctor his comeuppance it this episode also because she's an adult, it's got Rory involved, and so there are these themes of love and loss, yes. and who would you save, and all kinds of stuff like that, and it's really well done. Uh, I looked up the writer on this. I forget his name, but he's written he's written a little bit else. Like He wrote the original reintroduction of the Cybermen stuff, mm -hmm. which I'm not a fan of, but I love this. This is really right. nice. Uh, yeah. Tom McRae is his name. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, I, I agree. I, in fact, there's several things I really like about this episode. One, I like Karen Gillan's acting in this. I think the older Amy is distinct from the younger mm -hmm. Amy, but mm -hmm. not in an, a cartoonish way. I think she plays it just right. Um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, a older, uh, a little bit uh, more experienced, jaded, definitely, than yeah. younger Amy, who's all, you know, gung-ho. And, like, older Amy is, she's done with the Doctor's whimsy. Like, she just... Like the doctor's doing his shtick, and she's like, I, I, I don't have time for that. Like, I, I'm, I've, I'm bitter about that, and I don't have time for that. And you know, we're, we, we gotta, we gotta get things done here. And so I, I really like Karen Gillan's playing this, and I did like those themes of love and loss and Rory's dilemma, which is, you know, she's still Amy. <laughs> mm -hmm. So is it right for me as her husband to? want to cast off this Amy and go back to the young Amy. And, and that's an interesting question because is that, is that right? Like, is it, is it just for, for them to wipe away this 36 years of Amy's life? So it's going to depend on how time travel works. Now, the, 
the basic two theories that have a good shot at being real are either you can't change the past at all mm-hmm. or you create a branching timeline. Mm-hmm. And under either one of those, there's no problem here because either you can't undo what's happened to Amy, you're never going to be able to you know, change the fact that she spends 36 years without you, or you just go back to when she was younger and you create a branching timeline and older Amy is still out there existing. She's just not in your timeline. You've decohered with that timeline. Mm-hmm. And this show, in order to create the dilemma, posits another theory of time travel, which is that time gets rewritten so that older Amy really does exist and then you wipe her out of existence. And that theory is not supported well in science. Um, mm. I mean, you know, in in the thought that physicists have given to what time travel would involve. And so it's kind of a fantasy theory, scientifically speaking, to c- create this dilemma. And so I right. would say there's no real answer to is mm. it right or wrong to do this. Mm-hmm. Because it's not a way that time travel actually could foreseeably work. Right. Okay. Yeah. At least that's the state, of, present state of my thinking on the subject. Yeah. yeah. Although there's, this is a very common trope in time travel stories oh, yeah. of, you know, rewriting an incident so that it changed. You know, think of <laughs> heck, back to the of future. all examples, Back <laughs> to the Future too. I mean, yeah. you know, the right. idea of. Because that book was left behind that showed all the winnings for the fu- winning teams for the future, you know, it created a whole new timeline that they then right. reverted by getting rid of the book. But it, it it's a it's a very common trope that we see, and and you know, obviously, at least in the Catholic Church, we re- we can do it theoretically, but as of right now, we don't have time travel yet, except for the old fashioned time travel of one second in the future at a time. <laughs> yeah, just going but, forward. <laughs> going forward uh yeah. but you know someday someday maybe we'll have to face that that dilemma yeah well and that's the thing is this, you know the, the 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 thought experiment is you know where does the, all of that experience where does that all of that what happened go it, you know, it, mm-hmm. it existed because they remember it you know at least the doctor and uh rory do uh, right. so yeah so that's yeah that it's an interesting question mm-hmm. And they, they do that a lot, too, where it's the only people who remember it are those like in the TARDIS because they're affected by the temporal engines of the TARDIS or some reason like, you know, scientific right. sounding reason like that. Yeah. And I think from, from, a, from Rory's point of view, though, you know, as a husband, the wanting to be with the younger version of your wife, I wonder, is that is that objectifying, Amy, do you think? I'm just kind of looking at this just from no, a No, I think it's natural. If I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm married to a, a woman who is my age and then I meet her future self, my natural impulse is going to be to uh, go back to the woman who I'm most familiar with, who right. you know is my age and we can still have a life together. That's not objectifying. What would be mm-hmm. objectifying is if we had a 60-year-old Rory and a 60-year-old Amy, and all of a sudden Rory wants mm-hmm. to go back to a 22-year-old Amy. Oh, uh, yeah. That and, was, you know, and yeah, that's I think Rory, Rory himself expresses it well, where he says he's mad because he didn't get to grow old with the old Amy. Yeah. You know, I true. think he expresses that, that, that concept well, 
uh, that it wasn't because he's objectifying the young, good-looking Amy. It's he wanted to grow old with Amy. Right, right. And then, so speaking of uh, more questions while we're on it, at the end, the doctor kind of forces Rory to make the choice because he says we can't have both Amy's in the in the TARDIS, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because of your know, time paradox. So he makes Rory be the one to tell her no. I felt that I felt really cruel. I'm not sure what was that about. What do you guys think of that? I think it's partly has to do with the evolving character arcs mm-hmm. because we have Amy, and it really starts to show in this episode. It shows even more later. Initially, the Doctor is the wizard. Amy is the companion of the wizard, and Rory is either not there or is just kind of a tag along. Mm. And over the course of time, Amy becomes more and more like the doctor and Rory moves into the position of he's our, he's our lens character. He's our, Mm -hmm. he's the real companion now. He's traveling Mm -hmm. with these two wizards and he's the everyman that we get to view the show through. And this episode really advances that transition because uh, in the 36 year gap, Amy has not only become a warrior that is able to just totally take down these handbots. Mm-hmm. She has learned to survive in this incredibly dangerous environment. She's reprogrammed the artificial intelligence that runs the, the two streams facilities so that it, it will do virtually anything she wants. And she's built a sonic screwdriver, which she calls a sonic probe because she's not on a romp as the doctor is. <laughs> and and so she is basically, I mean, uh, she she's she's now a computer reprogramming super survivor, super warrior that builds sonic screwdrivers. She is in the wizard category at this point. Mm-hmm. And the do- Rory at one point even says to Amy, who's got the the glasses where she can talk to the doctor. He says, I'll leave you two geniuses alone for a moment. Right. And so Rory is very much the everyman in this episode, which is his future arc. And when the doctor tries to force him, I think it's just, I think it's for dramatic reasons because that's mm-hmm. the natural way to pay this off. The one who, who, who makes the decision should be the husband because he's the most invested emotionally in which of these two women it would be weird for the doctor as an outsider to make that choice. Right. But Rory says, this isn't fair. You're turning me into you. Mm -hmm. And that's a recurring theme in New Who with the companions. It's even there a little bit in intent with the seventh doctor and ace. Right. But it's really there in the New Who uh, companion treatments where you have multiple companions become much more like the doctor over the course of their character arcs. Right, right. Yes, especially yeah, especially yeah. Amy and Clara, but even mm-hmm. before then in oh, Russell Donna, T. Davies. Yeah. 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 The Dr. Donna. Yep. Yeah. In Martha. Yeah. Well, actually, all of them. They all do. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> Rose does too. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Um, now, one of the interesting things is this parallel time stream thing. And I'm, I was trying to wrap my head around how this two streams facility works. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a plague that kills you in a day. So they take the people who are infected and they they put them on the faster side or on the slower side. I don't know that this was overly coherent. What was your <laughs> like, father? See, the way I looked I this is this is one of the logical inconsistencies of this episode because I thought as they're going to die in a day 
real time, but they're in this facility where that day real time expands their whole life. Okay. You know, because they talk about how in 24 hours, their family can see them live their entire life. Right. And so the idea was that they are going to die in 24 hours of real time, but they're going to be able to live for 30, 40, 50 years accelerated time, which is exactly opposite of how it should be. Yeah. It should be, if you're going to die in a day, your time is slowed down, but that doesn't make, that doesn't help them at all. So it is. Because then you're just moving really slowly yeah. for all your relatives, and so I mean, this is this is more fantasy stuff. Like when yeah. when Amy has the initial jump of a week, yeah. the doctor asks her, "Were you hungry?" and she says, "No." And so this okay, if she had really experienced a week of time, she would have gotten hungry. Well, and this is this is fantasy yeah. time stretching. And she also went to look like, you know, perfectly made up like she was, you know, because Hollywood, <laughs> right. but still, or right. Britain, but, you know. Yeah. I can't imagine, like, her sitting there for, literally for a week. Like, you'd be insane. Like, you would be yeah. out of your mind. I, I would assume she got up and explored and just comes back periodically. Pro- yeah, probably. Probably. Uh, and Yeah, that was that was the thing I was... So I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought that that was a little mixed up. Yeah, there, there, there are also other things. They at one point, the doctor and Rory discover there are like thousands of time streams here with yep. other people interacting with their loved ones, but they're irrelevant to the plot. So we only glimpse them, and then thereafter, it's treated as if no, it's just these three people. Yep. And it, yeah. and and Amy has reprogrammed the AI in one of these time streams, but mm-hmm. for some reason, nobody from another time stream, no administrators, intervene into what's actually going right. on in their facility. <laughs> well, yeah, and that was that was one of my questions. Is okay, so they rewired the little controller thing for the uh, temporal engines. How did that affect the four forty thousand or how many ever people that were there as mm-hmm. well? Did it affect their time stream because yeah we only see them right. one point through that glass and it looks like the ghost effect from the the cybermen where the cybermen came through as the ghost that's true yep you know that's literally the only time we we see them so and we don't yeah. know if it affected any of them or not or so probably right. destroyed the facility yep exactly <laughs> uh, all those poor people are now dead uh <laughs> so uh, there is one interesting point where the Rory criticizes the doctor for something that I think fans often criticize the you know or bring up as a a hole in the way that the the show runs is he criticizes the doctor for failing to check if Appalachia has a play going on before he yeah. brings them there. Like why did you like check out make sure there's no wars, plagues, just and the doctor just says, "Well, that's not how I travel." Like sort of dismisses him. At which point Rory says, then I quit. I'm not going to travel with you anymore, which he doesn't follow through on once he gets Amy back. But uh, come on. I remember when the days when the doctor would like check the radiation sensor and look out, (laughs) look outside and do things like that. I mean, that's all the way back to first doctor. That's old school. Yeah, and they've yeah. got a library. We've we've even seen it at one point. It's huge. You should have a book that could say, "Oh, by the way, during this time period, this planet had a plague." Right? Why? Why did you show up during the plague like portion of 2020, 2021 on Appalachia? <laughs> go, go to Appalachia when it's not those two years. And, and of course, the answer always is the TARDIS takes him where he needs to go, not where he not wants where he- to go. Right. And he's kind of figured that out over yeah. the years, so that's part of why he doesn't check. But still, it would be nice to know, even if I need to, even if I need to be here, it would be nice to know what the situation is I'm walking into. Yes. 
another uh, kind of uh, a nice moment was when young Amy and old Amy encounter each other through the giant uh, time magnifying glass. Mm-hmm. That uh, this was really and, nice. Yeah. yeah, and they have this conversation about Rory, and you know, the, do it, do this for Rory. Like, don't like say save yourself because you love Rory, and he deserves to have you his wife with him you know us his wife with him and that's when old amy changes her mind and says to rory i'm going to pull time apart for you and it's like i I mean it's a real nice moment it's a a, a really nice bit of writing yes yep yeah Yeah, the uh, what's nice about it is it starts out with a with old amy saying i remember this when Rory shows her her younger self Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and she explains to her younger self, I've had this 36 years and I, I am the one who's stopping the doctor from saving you. And I don't want those 36 years removed and you won't either when it comes to your turn and there's nothing you can say that will stop it. Hmm. And so she's like setting this up as a predestination paradox. Right. And then Amy talks her out of the predestination paradox by talking about being with Rory. And and it reawakens her love for Rory because she's had 36 years being resentful. Mm-hmm. And and so it's going to take a little bit of emotional processing to get her feeling about Rory the way that she used to. But mm-hmm. when she does, we have this really glorious, you know, I'm going to pull time apart for you, and she kisses him, and we have all of this hope, and then she announces, I'm coming too. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right, and that sort of throws everybody for a little bit of a loop, like, uh, are we going to do this? And the doctor kind of goes along with it, because he needs her cooperation in order to save young Amy. There there was an interesting thing that they did... um, with Olene's character as she's her mind is changing and it was the lipstick. You know, she had the right. tube of lipstick that she wrote, you know, doctor in here or I'm waiting. And there's one scene where she picks it up, you know, after Rory meets up with her and she's going to put it on and sets it down. And then after she changes her mind, she puts on, you can see she puts on lipstick and that's right. kind of a visual way of showing her mind changing and that she's kind of, you know, reconnecting to Rory and you know having this this feelings for him again, I think it was yeah. kind of an interesting way of showing that. Because of course, when you, when you're there alone for thirty six years, you don't care about silly things like being made up. You know, and yeah, she she also when old Amy announces that she's coming, you know, they have a conversation with the doctor about is this even possible, and his first response mm-hmm. is, "Well, it's your marriage." Yeah. But but then Rory presses, no, I mean, scientifically, can we do this? And he's like, well, we're creating a paradox, but if we do X, Y, Z, technobabble, maybe the TARDIS can sustain the paradox. Yes, I think it could work. And he's mm-hmm. lying at that yeah. point. He knows right. full well there's no way this is going to happen. Now, in reality, it should be no problem because the doctor has crossed his own timeline, you know, every anniversary episode. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> So you can have older and younger versions, but they, they're they kind of treading a fine line here. You know, they always hint that this can't, this is an unstable thing. It can't go on indefinitely. Mm-hmm. And, and it wouldn't have to because older, older Amy says she's going to go traveling and only come back for Christmas and maybe Easter. 
Right. And so they're not going to be in each other's presence all the time. So really, this should work, but for plot reasons, it needs not to work. Right, right. So you got to imagine the Time Lords are constantly crossing their own paths. There's so many of them, yeah. and they're all out there. I was going to say, the Doctor didn't want to get rid of the karaoke bar. That was one of the techno battle <laughs> yeah, yeah. things, that he had to vent the <laughs> karaoke bar to do it. Yeah, that's right. That's but, right. You know, and of course they, I, I can't, I always forget the name of it, but the, the when, when two, uh, when a, two parts of a person's timeline meet, what that effect is, do you remember, Jimmy? The Blinovich effect. The Blinovich effect. You know, they, they've even given it a word for what could okay. happen to the universe if two people or one person and two parts of their timeline meet. So, okay. I mean, it, it's something that's been a part of the show for a very long time that you really can't do this or shouldn't do this except in extreme circumstances. Right, right. You know, we mentioned like how this sort of cap is or recalls the first time Amy, young Amy, met the doctor in their very first episode. It all, the title, of course, also recalls the boy who waited when Rory, Rory. waited for, for Amy for 2,000 years. And he didn't get all old and bitter about it, which I just would like to, I wish he kind of pointed out to Amy. <laughs> Rory's yeah. pretty low key. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and Amy's rather fair, high strung. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and to be fair, he knew that there was going to be an end point. Amy kind of right. did. He did. He did. I know. Just it's kind of kidding. The the the, uh, the lengths of times are, are are interesting. You know, one of the things that that is very interesting at the very end, after uh, older Amy has been presumably like definitely subdued by the handbots, presumably injected with the the medicine that would kill her, mm-hmm. but also wiped from existence by the changing of the timeline. Young Amy wakes up, and the last line of the episode is, "Where is she?" And that's never answered, and I find that very interesting. Yeah, and I can understand why. I th- I, th- I thought that was an acceptable exit point for the episode because yeah. they are going to need to have a conversation with her, and it's going to be heavy given yeah. what went down. And we don't need to see it rehashed. Everything we just saw. Yes. Exactly. Yes. I think it's yeah. It's okay to leave that to our imagination, and because it would also like be all this extra discussion that you can imagine would happen. But uh, I think it was an interesting way to end the episode. Uh, you know, just like, you know, I mean, where, where'd she go? You know, cause she, she'd been knocked out by one of the hand bots, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it was Rory yeah. carrying her into the TARDIS after being knocked out. And the way he looked at her, that reminded older Amy of their need to be together as right. young, a couple. Yeah. Also, I like how it's not just Rory's choice here because mm-hmm. old, we've got in the in the at the climax of the episode we have older Amy outside the door and Rory inside the door with his hand of the TARDIS with his hand on the knob to open it and let her in right. and after processing all of this I mean she really wants in but she mm-hmm. also really wants Rory to be able to be with her the way it should have been. And she tells him, do not let me in. If I mean, The exact quote is, mm-hmm. if you love me, don't let me in. Because mm-hmm. I, if, if I get in there, I'm not going to come out. It's going to be kicking and screaming. I'm not going to bow out gracefully. So, mm-hmm. so this is a person recognizing their own temptations which will be to stay in the TARDIS if you get in, and avoiding the near occasion of sin. Mm. So you have older Amy actually consenting to what happens, as difficult as it is, which, it, which is what saves Rory's decision from being horrible. 
given mm-hmm. the yes. rules that they've set up and right. saves what the doctor does from being horrible given the rules they've set up. Right. Yeah. It is a noble self-sacrifice on her part. And it's, mm-hmm. and it, 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 I do like that, that again, older and wiser, I, I'll come in, you open that door, I'm coming in. Don't open the door. Cause I, exactly. I, I, I don't, I don't want to die, but I want yeah. your Amy to have what she needs. It also sets up this as a um, as a type of plot that I very rarely see, but that I consider to be uh, one of the highest, if not the maybe the highest form of plot, mm-hmm. which is good versus good. Hmm, we have right. lots of stories that are good versus evil. We have some stories that are good versus neutral. You know, like mm-hmm. a man trying to survive out in the wilderness or something—a man versus nature story. We have where there's no real evil, but there is adversity. Mm-hmm. We have evil versus evil stories, you know, where you have anti-heroes going up against people who are even worse. But we very rarely get good versus good, where you want to root for everybody in the story. Mm-hmm. And good versus good, to my mind, creates, if it's done right, it creates the highest form of dramatic tension. I agree. I think, yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that makes this story so so enjoyable is that you root for you're rooting for everybody. There's nobody you're really rooting against. I mean, they're robots are just robots. They're just devices. So it's not that they're mm-hmm. evil. They're just neutral in that sense. They're in well, fact they're, they're good. They're 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 intended to be helpful oh, yeah. in helping people who are sick. Yeah, yep. that's something. By the way, notice we have instead of companion separation in this episode, we have doctor separation. Yep. Because he he's, he can't be here because of the plague in his two hearts. But I like how they have the handbots who are effectively creepy in part because they have no eyes. Mm-hmm. And they have no bad intentions. They just want to help people. And they don't realize because of stupid programming that Amy and Rory <laughs> aren't, al- are, are, aren't, aren't natives to Appalachia. And so they try to use medicine to help them because they're carrying unre- unrecognized bacteria. And so it, it, the, the, the intentions are good. They genuinely are trying to be kind to everybody. It, they just have programming, stupid programming limitations that turn medicine into a lethal weapon in this case. Mm-hmm. So instead of pointing guns at people, they're pointing medicine at them. You know, you think about it, this is a resort planet. You, they should probably be programmed, keeping in mind that you're going to have a lot of visitors yeah. <laughs> to this planet. <laughs> so, yeah, that does seem to be a big a big flaw in their programming. Oh, yeah. So uh, that's that's pretty much all I have to say. Any further notes? Anything left to say on this, uh, Father Corey? Mm, nothing here. Jimmy? So Appalachia is essentially the word Appalachia with some mm-hmm. reduplication in it. And mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, come on. Just give us Appalachia. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, I like the two symbols they had. I, I mean, this didn't really make a lot of sense, but the, the two symbols for the buttons, green anchor versus red waterfall, mm-hmm. yep. those, are, those are nice. I, I like that. That's, it's, it's unfamiliar but familiar, it, so it kind of makes sense with a kind of alien logic. I like the garden that they go to, which has this, it it looks familiar, it looks like earth plants, but they're cut in this weird alien topiary style. Mm -hmm. And it is beautiful. I like that Amy gets to be however old she is, 58 or whatever, 
16 minutes into the show. You know, yep. we've only we've only been through a third of it and we've hit the main plot point. And then we have the rest of the show to play that out. I like how she's disarmed one of the robots. She hasn't really disarmed him. She's just dehanded him. Yep. And yeah. drawn a face on him and named him Rory. Yeah. Right. Uh, so we have Rory the robot instead of Robbie the robot. Uh, I wonder later on when we're seeing her and the others in battle against the handbots, they decapitate a bunch of them, which causes them to stop working. And I'm going, their sensors are in their hands, so they don't need their heads to see. Hmm. And why would their critical CPU be in the head? <laughs> yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Decapitating these things shouldn't work. Yep. Also, another thing that shouldn't work. Now, the doctor has established that the inhabitants of Apalapachia are cultural scavengers. They, like, collect from... It's like the most, the one who dies with the most toys on on next right. gen. They've got yes. all these artifacts from all over the galaxy, which is neat to see. Well, one of them is the Mona Lisa, and in the final run to the TARDIS, Rory takes the Mona Lisa and smashes it over the head of one of the handbots, thus disabling the handbot because his head went through a some some canvas. <laughs> which really should yeah. Rory shouldn't be strong enough to do anyway. Yeah. Um. So some Im- and it's kind of lame. So I didn't yeah. like that, but I loved the episode overall. It's yeah. one of you my know, favorites, especially from this yeah. season. Yes. You know, I was thinking about the Green Anchor Red Waterfall and what the symbolism of those. Uh, you know, what the symbolism means. Mm-hmm. You know, so the Green Anchor would be those who are you know anchored in time. So they're the, who the anchor point. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. the visitors and the the red waterfall are those. And so, and green is good. Red is bad or dangerous. So that would be the mm-hmm. sick. And waterfall are those are in the stream. You know, going right. through the stream. So First, I guess that's what that. Uh, I, yeah, I thought of. that occurred to me as well. Also, another thing that occurred to me when so the doctor and Rory push the green anchor button and go through before Amy gets back from the TARDIS, and then they're yelling to her from inside the green anchor room and just say, "Push the button." Okay, that's dumb because you know there's two buttons. Yeah. And and it's dumb because if if I come up to a panel and I know that people, other humans, I mean, at least Rory's a human and the doctor is sort of a human, have come to this panel before and they pushed one of the two buttons, which am I going to guess they pushed? Even if I don't ask, which am I going to guess they pushed? The up or the down button? I'm going right. to guess the up button. Because I yeah. native, if I've just arrived in a building, I think of myself as being on the ground floor, and I don't want to go to the basement. I also push the green button instead of the red button because, yeah. uh, being human, I know that green is is good and red is bad, and so probably if I'm, if I have to choose blindly, I think I'm going to choose green. <laughs> just, yeah, <laughs> which so, is what Rory did. <laughs> it, yeah. So it's it's not set up well for getting them initially separated in time. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah. All right. I think that's good. So uh, let's wrap things up. We want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Thomas M., Sam W., Julia W., Nancy M., and Karen M. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. Now is a great time to become a StarQuest patron. 
thanks to a generous gift from a StarQuest supporter. When you start a new Patreon monthly pledge at sqpn.com slash give, the first three months will be matched by an equal amount from our donor to support all our shows, including this one, which makes your gift go even further. We're very close, very close to reaching our goal of $2,000 in new monthly pledges, which is an important goal because we're developing some new shows, we're working on a new website, and we need those resources in order to, to do all that. And so please help us close that gap. If you've been thinking of becoming a StarQuest patron, now is the time. Visit sqpn.com slash give today. We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. What do you think of The Girl Who Waited? Is this among your favorites? Uh, did, did you have uh, any other insights? We'd love to hear from you. So comment on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the Big Finish audio story of from the Eighth Doctor called The Stones of Venice. So you can find that at bigfinish.com. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing The Secrets of Doctor Who. Thanks, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom, and I'm looking forward to next week's Stones of Venice, but not the following week's episode, which is the worst of the worst, oh, in my opinion. Yes. <laughs> I felt like we, just, we talked about that, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest, and remember, do not be alarmed. This is a kindness. Right. This is going to be fun.